There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef, and today we're here to talk about measles. In 2018, 372 individual cases of measles were confirmed in 26 states and the District of Columbia. This is the second greatest number of annual cases reported. This year, so far, there's been six active break, uh, outbreaks in 2019, and most are in New York State. Is that correct? That is right. All right. And to bring you expert advice and to answer all your questions about measles today, and to take your questions live, Dr. Frank Esper, Pediatric Infectious Disease Specialist here at Cleveland Clinic Children's. Thank you so much for being here oh, today. It's very good to be here. Thanks. Thank you. And before we begin, please remember this is for informational purposes only and it's not intended to replace your own physician's advice. So, first of all, um, it's been all over the news. Yeah. Measles. Can we start by talking about what measles is, how you catch it, symptoms, yeah. just overview. You know, measles has been around for, for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, and really what it is, is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, cold virus. Mm. Right? It comes from an entire large family of cold viruses. That family includes things like croup, uh, as well as uh, mumps, um, and other common viruses that we see that come every year. So it comes as a cold virus, and it does things that uh, the same symptoms that cold viruses do. It shows up, it causes cough, and it causes congestion, and it causes a little bit of red eyes, and that's generally how it all begins. The difference, though, is with measles is that measles Unlike a lot of these other cold viruses where it just stops, you know, with those types of symptoms, measles can then go and cause a lot of other problems. Yeah. And so, um, you know, measles is one of the more severe cold viruses. And that's one of the reasons why we uh, took it upon ourselves to really try to stop that back in the 60s with the vaccination program. Sure, sure. Okay, well, the outbreaks are preventable, mm -hmm. but they keep happening. Yeah. Why is that? You know, the outbreaks uh, themselves are, are something that we've actually eradicated um, outbreaks here in, or at least, I'm sorry, we eradicated uh, transmission of in what we call endemic measles, where basically homegrown measles no longer happens here in the United States. Okay. And the reason is, is because since 2000, we were able to eradicate it with a very vigorous vaccination campaign, along with other, you know, pushing other types of uh, ways to prevent viruses spreading. So good hand washing campaign, things like that. Uh, good sanitation, et cetera. And so that, since 2000, we stopped, you know, homegrown measles. And then since then, we have prevented it. For the last 19 years, we have prevented measles from taking root again here in the United States. But we still see these outbreaks. We see, you know, a dozen outbreaks on one year, 10 outbreaks on another. And, and in the worst outbreak season, which was in 2016, mm -hmm. we had about uh, 20, 20 plus outbreaks. And what we do, what we're, what, what's happening is that we're still getting peppered with measles from outside the United States. Mm. And so people who are coming, who are travelers, and as we know, you know, the world is getting smaller, travel is on the rise. And so people from uh, places around the world that have measles still are bringing that measles into the United States. And the vast majority of that does not cause an outbreak. It's only when uh, a person who has measles from outside the United States 
comes into the United States and is able to uh, uh, transmit that individual uh, or transmit that virus to a person who doesn't have very good immunity mm. to measles, whether that's because they didn't get vaccinated or it's because their immune system was suppressed. And then if that person is surrounded by other individuals who do not have immunity, mm -hmm. then you start seeing these larger outbreaks. What the most recent uh, uh, outbreak that we got in New York State is actually from a person who was originally from the United States, but they weren't vaccinated. They went to a country mm -hmm. that has an outbreak going on right now in Israel, and then they okay. brought the measles back to their community, and then it spread around their community. So it's not just travelers from outside the United States, it's travelers from inside the United States going to outside the United States and then bringing the measles back. And what's preventing it, though, from taking root, from having persistent measles, is because of the great vaccination campaign that we still maintain here in the United States. Sure. So it seems like when you travel outside the United States, there are some vaccinations that you should probably take care of. Mm. Measles should be on that list. Oh, then? absolutely. So, so we have to understand that measles is still uh, all over the world. Um, and there are really big outbreaks that happen every so often in countries. The, the main ones right now is in Israel, and then there's a, a big one in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, it was the Philippines. So it, it, it changes. It could be in Asia. It could be uh, South America. Whom You never know. Mm -hmm. um, so measles is, is still out there. But the, uh, uh, the measles in the United States, we don't see. I see. But when we, uh, in, or when someone is about to go traveling for an extended period of time, uh, here at the Cleveland Clinic, but a lot of other places, we actually have a, a whole uh, area of what's called travel medicine, where we prepare you for the types of infections that you might uh, uh, encounter. Okay. okay. So it's not just measles, although that's one of the first things. And the first things we do when we hear that you're about to go abroad is we check to see, did you get the measles vaccine? Do, you know, do you have any problems? Have you not received it? When was the last time you received it, et cetera? Sure. But also things like malaria, right. things like uh, Japanese encephalitis, you know, types of prophylaxis to make sure that you don't get infected, um, you know, typhoid, et cetera, that you don't get infected when you go and then you don't bring that infection back. Bring it back, right, yeah. right. So before um, I go on my cruise with my kids, should I come to a primary care physician, to an infectious disease specialist, or who yeah. do I talk to? Uh, usually you that? can start with your primary care physician. A lot of times they do um, uh, uh, then refer you to an infectious disease specialist here at the Cleveland Clinic. It's infectious disease, uh, and we have very, very good um, and uh, uh, very available travel uh, the main thing, though, is that you have to understand that when you get prepared for a traveling abroad, mm -hmm. uh, don't do it the day before you leave. Okay. Uh, it doesn't help you then. Yeah. Um, you want to uh, talk to your physician a couple of months or at least four weeks plus before you uh, travel, because then if you do need vaccines, if you do need prophylaxis, we can get that on board so that you are safe on day one of your trip. All right. And when yeah. you start getting vaccinated, is it effective right away? No. It takes uh, a few weeks? It takes a couple of weeks. Okay. It takes at least two weeks, preferably four. Oh, That's wow. why um, the, what we try to do is we try to uh, uh, meet these people a couple of months beforehand, sure. make sure that we get their vaccines. And sometimes it's a vaccine series. If you haven't never seen this uh, vaccine before and you're supposed to get two vaccines, we'd like to get both of those vaccines in before you leave, but definitely right. at least one. Okay, good to know. I'll make my appointment. Okay, so yeah. what defines an outbreak? You know, uh, that depends on the germ we're talking about. But in this case, we're just going to focus on measles. Yes. Um, for a measles outbreak, it's three cases. That's not a lot, yeah. all right, if you think about it. But that's because we're not supposed to see any cases, right. all right? That's our, our preference is zero. Um, if we see three cases in the same community or the same district, 
within a one month period of time. Okay. That's how we define that. Okay. An this person is an outbreak. So we, a lot of times you can just see three cases and it dies there. That's fine. It's still considered an outbreak, but it's not a bad outbreak. Mm -hmm. Whereas we've seen some outbreaks where it's 75 plus individuals sure. uh, from a community. We saw that back in uh, 2016, two, I'm sorry, 2014, um, where uh, we had a lot of uh, outbreaks within Amish communities and things mm -hmm. like that. Then um, they can actually get pretty big. Okay. So we've talked about some of the symptoms. Uh, you said it's kind of like a harsh cold. It's a bad cold um, at the beginning. Cough, runny nose, red eyes. That's okay. where it starts off. Uh, then what the, really the, the hallmark, though, is when you start getting the rash. Yeah. And the rash starts at the head and then just kind of flows down. Hmm. Um, and it's this bad, this bad, lacy, red, raised rash um, that just kind of starts. It doesn't hurt so much, itchy. but people feel miserable. Okay. Sometimes it's itchy, yeah. Okay. Um, and, but people just feel miserable because usually they have a high fever, too. Okay. Um, the rash, though, is important because that's when it hallmarks when are you contagious, mm. all right? And it's really, for the most part, centered around that rash. Um, technically, you are contagious because someone gave it to you when you have the cough and the runny right. nose and cold stuff. But what we look for in, in the, in, you know, when we have to say who got exposed, we look for the people who were exposed four days before that rash happened, up to four days after the rash happened. Okay. And you have to understand that four days before the rash happened, you don't even know you have measles, right? right? You have cold. That's you maybe it was a bad flu, but for the most part, you're thinking, oh, this isn't measles. Yeah. And then next thing you know, uh oh, now you have measles and they have to you think about all the people that you might have exposed mm -hmm. during that time. So that's one of the reasons why measles is so tricky. It's so insidious that it's able to spread so well because you, you, you're infectious before you really know you have it. Right, right. Yeah. So then I will know I have measles once I get the rash. Once you have the rash, that's when a lot of people bring uh, their children or themselves okay. to um, their physicians. Okay. And then it's the physicians that are able to take a look at it. A lot of times it's just eyeballing it. We can see the rash. We can hear the story. We know uh, we talk about the vaccinations that you did or the exposures that you may have had. Right. And then we could probably piece it together there. But a lot of times... We have to do really sophisticated um, tests of your blood or um, swabbing your nose, looking for the virus itself, and that'll take a few extra days. Uh -huh. But a lot of times, a good physician will be able to see it. They'll be able to say, okay, I think this is what it is. Sometimes they refer back to infectious disease to confirm mm -hmm. their suspicions. Um, but a lot of times it's that rash when that rash is, happens is when people start saying, I need to go to the doctor. So then to, uh, reiterate, you said you are contagious four days before okay. rash and four days after. Up to four days out. And that's the standard. You know, there's there, nothing in life's ever so set. I mean, there's some people can transmit a little bit even before that yeah. or a little bit after that, especially if you have an immune system that may not be as vigorous because right. you have medications on board or cancer, or chemotherapy, then their uh, uh, symptoms and their contagiousness can actually be a little sure. more prolonged. Sure. Yeah. And there's a crazy fact that I that I found online. I'd like to read it here. Yeah. Uh, so a person with measles can cough in a room and leave. And then hours later, if you're unvaccinated, you can catch the virus from the droplets in the air of the infected person yeah. that left behind. And the vaccine, uh, the beauty of the, of the vaccine is that most people who get the proper doses will never get sick from measles, even if they're exposed. Is That's that correct? Right. Yes, for the most part. Now, nothing in life is ever 100% either. Right. Um, but this is, a, again, tells you how tricky this virus is. It, it's not just, you know, you touch a hand of somebody or shake a hand or, or, or uh, contact with an individual who is infected. It's able to just basically ride the currents of the air in the room for a few hours and then still can be breathed in 
by someone who walks into the room a couple hours later. And that can lead to transmission. This is one of the reasons why it is so infectious, much more infectious than a lot of other cold and flu viruses that we right. deal with. Right. Um, but it is something now with the vaccine, it's one of our best defenses to prevent infection, okay? Uh, and that even that vaccine, as good as it is, is still not 100%. Sure. Um, you get one dose of vaccine, uh, the one dose of vaccine is effective to 93% of individuals. Wow. But because 93 wasn't good enough, we talked about a second dose after that. And so we get typically the recommendations from the Centers for Disease Control from the American Academy of Pediatrics, we get two doses. Okay. Once when you're about eh, 12 months of age or so, 12 to 15 months yeah. of age, the other around four to six years. And that second dose moves it from 93% effective to 97% effective. Oh. It's still not 100. Right. Still, still not, not 100. 100. So you could not, it is possible that you could be one of those 3% who just does not respond to the vaccine. I see. Uh, but those 3% who are not responding to the vaccine are protected by everybody else who did respond to the vaccine. And you're basically uh, encased in a nice little protective bubble to prevent spread. Sure, sure. Okay, so there are a substantial number of individuals who cannot receive the vaccination due to uh, underlying reasons, maybe like a weakened immune system, you were saying, yeah. um, developing cancer, children under age. Mm -hmm. um, what would you recommend for these groups? Yeah, I think it's very important that we understand who's at risk for more severe disease and who's at risk for getting uh, the, uh, uh, the infection to begin with. Mm -hmm. We can't give this vaccine. We, we, I'll take that back. We typically don't give that vaccine before 12 months of age. However, if you live uh, in an area that's undergoing an outbreak or you're about to travel to a country that has an outbreak, mm -hmm. we can actually give this vaccine safely up, uh, at six months of age or above. Oh, okay. So if we do give it at six months of age, um, it doesn't count. You still have to get another vaccine at one sure. year of age, uh, but you can give it even younger. Uh, the people who are at most risk of really getting bad, um, severe disease uh, are individuals who are very, very young, under a year of age, very uh, older, you know, adults, basically anyone over 20, which is like, you know, everyone almost yeah. <laughs> I mean, for the most part. It's, it's a bad disease for a lot of people. Sure. Uh, and those people who are who have an immune system that's just a little bit less robust, that just can't um, fight off a vigorous bad virus like measles because of chemotherapy, because of steroids or because they were just born with a with an immune system that's just not uh, reactive as much. Sure. Um, and those individuals can have very severe disease. When we talk about what's severe for measles, you know, we just talked about how it just starts off as a cough and a cold. Right. But one out of every 10 will then go to an ear infection. And I think, you know, as a, as a father of five here, I could tell you how bad, you know, ear infections can be. But then uh, one out of every 20 go to pneumonia. And so when you, this virus gets into your lungs and it really causes a really, really bad pneumonia, a lot of times your immune system will be able to handle it. But if you have one of those immune systems because they're just because you're just too young sure. or uh, you're, you're under the influence of particular medications that suppress your immune system, that pneumonia is really, really bad. Right. And then about one out of every thousand people, the virus gets out of the lungs and gets into the blood and it gets into the blood, it goes to the brain. Uh, when it gets into the brain, it causes brain swelling. And that's the most severe complication that we see from measles. That's what we worry about the most. Uh, one out of every thousand, it, doesn't, it seems like that's pretty uncommon, but when you multiply that back in the pre-vaccine area where everybody got measles, yeah. I mean, basically it was universal up, you know, by, by the time you hit adolescence, you had measles at least once. Um, it was, uh, so you multiply one out of a thousand of that, that's a lot of people. Right. Um, a lot of people would die. And so we, uh, it's one of the reasons why this was one of the first targets for vaccination and uh, control. But 
you get that one out of a thousand people um, uh, is pretty bad with brain swelling. One out of every 20 can get a pneumonia. About one out of every 500 to one out of every thousand people will die. Wow. Um, and that's just too much. Yeah. Yeah. So when when someone cannot take the vaccination due to the number of reasons that I gave or maybe a religious um, reason or or whatnot, um, how do you make sure to protect yourself against measles, Mm -hmm. especially the complications that could be fatal? Yeah. The best way to protect yourself against measles is to be um, is to to have vaccine. Mm -hmm. Um, the, The next best way. All right. Is to make sure that you don't get yourself exposed to people who are. Um, sick with measles. Um, and so, for example, if you didn't get the measles vaccine, you may not want to travel to areas that have the ongoing outbreaks. Okay. And the Centers for Disease Control actually lists where all the outbreaks are worldwide. Right. So they can tell you that if you're going to this country, is there a measles outbreak? And they will say yes. And okay. they keep that up uh, fairly regularly. So you'll be able to at least find out from there whether or not you should at least hold off on your um, uh, travel plans at that point in time um, or talk to a doctor about getting vaccinated before you go. Okay. The um, other ways to prevent, uh, remember, it's a, uh, it's a virus like a lot of other cold viruses. Washing your hands absolutely does help. Okay. So preventing, you know, good hand washing, um, coughing. If you are infected to, you know, for people who are infected to stay away from others who um, aren't. Um, And to cough into your sleeve is always a good thing. Mm -hmm. But as we just said, you know, even with all that good, you know, cough hygiene and good hand hygiene, remember, the virus likes to live in the air. And no amount of hand washing is going to prevent you from breathing in that particular air. That's why the vaccine is our best defense against the measles itself. Okay, and you said for vaccinations, you get it at 12 months of mm-hmm. age and then between 4 12 and 6, to 15, yeah. 12 to 15. Yeah. Oh, so how long does this vaccination last? You know, the, the vaccine, this is, a, this is one of the types of vaccines. You know, we, we, we talk about vaccines a lot, and there's so many out there right now. Yeah. It's hard to keep them all straight sometimes. But you, know, you think about, uh, like, for example, the tetanus vaccine. People say, oh, you need to get your tetanus vaccine every 5 to 10 years, and you keep doing that over and over again. Well, this vaccine, it's not like we get our measles vaccine every five to 10 years. This vaccine is very unique. It's very, very good. And one of the reasons it's good is because what we did is that this isn't a um, a, a dead protein uh, vaccine like Mm -hmm. the tetanus. Right. But this is actually a live uh, vaccine. So this is actually live measles that's been basically kind of chopped and edited so it can't cause problems. It can't cause disease. Oh, if it does cause disease, usually it's a very, very mild rash. Okay. But for the most part, it's it's what we call attenuated or basically very, very weak. Uh, so it's a weakened strain. We give a shot. It's able to replicate once, twice, maybe three times. Your immune system is able to react to it. And so not only do you make antibodies against it, but you actually make uh, good cells uh, that actually uh, stay with you lifelong. Sure, sure. All right. Okay, great. And then, so is there a treatment for measles or for the rash? Yeah. Uh, the answer is no. Um, for the rash, for the measles, there is not uh, a treatment. But what you do do is that for individuals who have bad, uh, we have a fire drill going yeah, on. I apologize for that. It's not a measles drill. It's a fire drill. Uh, <laughs> the, the answer is, is that this is um, something that what we do is that if you've had bad nutrition, so there are individuals who have really poor nutrition, more so around the, you know, the world, you know, from Southeast Asia, South America, places like that, Africa, we give them vitamin A because okay. vitamin A actually prevents 
uh, the worsening of, of symptoms if you have the measles. But that's for individuals who have low vitamin A to begin with. Sure. Pretty much everyone in the United States drinking your vitamin A, milk, and things like that, we're pretty much fortified pretty well. So a lot of times we just support you until your immune system is able to respond to the vaccine. Mm -hmm. If you get exposed though, there's other ways to prevent exposure. For example, if you are one of those individuals who can't get the vaccine, yeah. um, or you're immunocompromised and you were exposed to someone who, got, who had the measles and you know this was measles, yeah. we can actually give you a whole bunch of everybody else's antibodies to protect you. Um, and if we're able to do that um, right after your, your exposure, uh, within a couple of days after your exposure, we can actually use their antibodies to protect you from developing the disease. Wow. And if you've never gotten the vaccine and you got exposed, you could still get the vaccine up to three days after you were exposed to prevent you from, and it helps prevent you. It's not 100%, but it helps prevent you from getting the vaccine. So it's hard to know the to the, that you're actually exposed to measles, but if you know right. you have been, you have up to three days, you said? Right, you got vaccinated. three days. But unfortunately, like you said, if you're, you know, people don't even, are infectious four days before they know right. you're infected and you only have three days, is you can see that it's, 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 it's hard to play catch up with wow. this virus. This is one of the reasons why the best thing for you to do is get vaccinated before the problem even happens. Sure, sure. So there is a problem of the measles outbreak right now in Washington? Yeah. Did just recently happen? Well, the Washington was the big one, right? Uh, that, that happened at the yeah. tail end of 2018, yeah. uh, back in the fall. And then now there's a new one that's happening uh, in New York State. Okay, so how do yeah. we prevent that from, this is from travelers coming from outside countries, is that what's happening? Uh, it's a little of both. So uh, while it, it's not completely clear, the, the one in Washington state was from a traveler who came in mm -hmm. uh, and uh, then exposed individuals in, you know, as, as part of their tourism. Um, they just went to spots like, you know, basketball games and, and, mm -hmm. and museums and things like that. And they could then expose individuals who went to those basketball games or those museums um, during that same time. Sure. The one in New York State is a little more clear is that that was an individual who traveled, who was unvaccinated from the get go, uh, small child, as I recall, uh, who traveled to Israel, was exposed to individuals where there's an outbreak currently in Israel, then brought back and developed symptoms after wow. he returned and then spread it to a community that did not um, believe or did not have a very high vaccination rate. And oh. then it spread pretty much throughout that community. Wow. The one good thing, though, is that we, we you know, a lot of times I, I get this uh, question. It's like, hey, these these, you know, these outbreaks still are happening. So the vaccine doesn't work. And the answer is, you know, we've had about 150 cases thus far this year, which is a lot. All right. But there's a big difference between the 159 cases that we've had now, because we do have a very good vaccination and everybody is doing their part to sure. be vaccinated compared to what would be 15,000 or 150,000 if nobody right. had any vaccination. Right. And right. then we would be, be basically be uh, skyrocketing. Um, with numbers of cases. Wow. So most states um, are allowing exemptions for religious reasons. 17 states, including Washington and Texas, allow exemptions for both religious and personal yeah. or philosophical beliefs, according to the National Conference of State Legisla Legislators. Both Washington and Texas um, have seen measles outbreaks this year. Yeah. So um, this led the whole state to reconsider the, the exemptions, the vaccinations. What yeah. Do you have anything to say about that? I, w I would say this, it, that... that um, there is no federal policy on vaccinations at this time. So every state is uh, regulates their vaccinations um, on their own, which unfortunately leads to some 
differences between states. So the, 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 the vaccine policy that we have here in Ohio is different than the vaccine policy that we only have, uh, you know, 70 miles away in Pennsylvania sure. or 100 miles away in Indiana. Okay. Um, and so that can lead uh, to, um, you know, unfortunately, people don't necessarily, you know, they come and go uh, through all the states. And so that, that can lead to one problem. So there's no federal policy. It's a state policy. It's also important to know that every state has a vaccination policy. Every state has a policy, especially for young children, to be vaccinated before they go to school. And the reason is, why, does it all, why is it always uh, talked about with school? It's because that's when you bring a whole bunch of children together. All right. And when you want to bring a whole bunch of children together, we call children viral culture media, by the way. OK, that's what they do. They just breed. Yes. They just they, and that's and as a parent again, parent of five. I know how well these viruses love children and they bring them back home. to yeah. me. But the so if we vaccinate before they go to school, before they get their big wallop of an exposure, um, that's how we protect the community. We protect the children. We protect the children's family. And we protect the community at large. Yeah. So that's every state has that type of vaccine policy. It's also important to know that while there is, I think, 17 or so exemptions right now from every state for religious or philosophical, that's actually on the decline. It was like uh, 19 a few oh. years ago um, when California had their big uh, outbreak with Disneyland, the Disneyland measles. Again, what happens? A tourist comes to what? Yeah, Disneyland. That's what a lot of tourists would do. Yeah. All right. But they uh, come from an area that was having an outbreak. Uh, they were under vaccinated and they were able to spread it to other individuals who did not uh, or had a religious exemption or it gets spread into those communities. Then um, even California said, you know, we need to stop this. And so they were uh, one of the first states that are starting to try to pull back okay. on those types of exemptions. And we're actually starting to see some pushback. The, the, the key is, though, is in the state legislature. So it's not a federal issue. It's not Congress. Right. It's the state uh, Congress. Uh, and that's uh, the people that if you're talking about who do we talk to in order to ensure good vaccination policy, it's your state legislatures. Okay, great. And um, I was reading some facts, but before I go, I want to let my viewers know if you guys have any questions, we can take your questions live right now. Um, just type them in the comment section below and we'll ask the question live. So um, some of the facts that I read, there's been more than 150 measles cases this year in the U.S. Yeah. Is that correct? Uh, uh, to this In 2019, yeah. Okay, so how do I know if it's an outbreak happening right now? How do I know if it's in Ohio? How do I know if it's in my school? Yeah. How do I get this kind of critical news? Well, you know, that's, that's something that um, the Center for Disease Control tracks mm -hmm. and your state health department also tracks. Everybody is on notice for measles. But you never know where it's going to happen. Right. There are these small pockets of unvaccinated or undervaccinated across the United States. Sure. We're trying to, A, educate everybody about the safety of the vaccine, trying to educate everybody about the effectiveness of the vaccine, trying to educate why it's important to be vaccinated and how it helps um, every, yourself and everybody else around you. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is actually starting, I think, to, to take hold. Although we do see a, a slight bump in the number of unvaccinated uh, children across mm -hmm. the United States. And so that just means that we have more work to do in order to get this kind of information out. That's kind of why we're here right now. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, what, what we're trying to do is, um, you know, encourage everybody to talk to their physicians. It's important to, to hear these types of information from places like Cleveland Clinic and, and the Centers for Disease Control, but the person who knows you best, the person who knows your family the best, your child the best, that's your 
pediatrician, that's your physician. We absolutely encourage you that for any questions, we, uh, they have handouts, they have information, they have experience that they can talk to you about uh, this vaccine. Great. Now, I have Janelle that um, actually submitted a question. She's asking, could I still get measles if I'm fully vaccinated? Mm -hmm. The answer is yes. Nothing in life's ever 100%, Janelle. Um, it is something that uh, you, is your best chance to prevent uh, yourself from getting measles. And again, remember, it's not just you, it's everybody else around you. A lot of people can get measles, but they don't get sick, but they can still transmit it. And so, you know, when you protect yourself, and I say this a lot about vaccines, you're protecting yourself, you protect your family, you protect your neighbor, you protect your community. This is, this is a, an all-in type of situation. The, the more people that we have that, uh, that are protecting one another, the better your community is to prevent these types of outbreaks from happening. Great. So, and just like you mentioned, measles is still considered, was it, what's the word you called it? It's, it's not eradicated. Oh, it's not eradicated. It's, it, there's, there's no homegrown measles. So, okay. so the only virus that we've ever eradicated, truly eradicated, is, um, uh, is smallpox. smallpox. And that's the one where worldwide we no longer see smallpox. Mm -hmm. um, now, we're trying our best to eradicate polio, and that's the next one on the polio. list, that if okay. we can really just get into certain areas that still have some polio, but the vast majority, we don't see polio here in the United States or even on this you know, half of the world anymore yeah. because it's uh, of a great vaccination program. Measles uh, is actually, we, we, there is a worldwide push for measles eradication. We've actually, in the last 20 years, seen a substantial decrease in the amount of, uh, of measles outbreaks throughout the world and the number of measles cases throughout the world. We used to have millions. Yeah. All right, back in the 80s, there were millions of measles cases around the world. Now there's only hundreds of thousands. That's still a lot. Right. But only hundreds. I mean, we're down, you know, tenfold. Sure. That's pretty sure. good. All right. So um, with measles, with the outbreaks happening right now, um, I, wanna, I want you to kind of end the, the Facebook Live with mm -hmm. um, a message to people, to the audience, anybody who has kids, people who are scared to get vaccinated, maybe yeah. for religious reasons. But what do you have to say um, for our audience? You know, I think that, you know, what's important is to understand that there's, there's um, a lot of uh, information out there um, and a lot of good information uh, about the vaccine, about how well it works, about how safe it works or how safe it is. We test this vaccine for its safety and its effectiveness every year, making sure that the vaccine matches the strains that are circulating, uh, and it does. Sure. Uh, and this is something that uh, if you have any questions going to the Centers for Disease Control, they have a fantastic amount of information on there. Um, going to your physician is also a great source of information. Unfortunately, there's a lot of other information out there that's not as robust. I would really focus on the Centers for Disease Control, the National Institutes of Health, the American Academy of Pediatrics. Those are good sources of fantastic information. That's where you'll get the answers that you need, as well as talking to your physician. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. All right, it's very good to be here. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having me. And for more information about pediatric infectious disease or to make an appointment with Cleveland Clinic Children's, please call 216-444-5437 or go to clevelandclinicchildrens.org slash ID. And for more health news and information, make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram at Cleveland Clinic, just one word. Thank you. We'll see you again next time. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.